You are listening to the Venture Scale SaaS Operator, the podcast where we interview founders who are actually in the trenches. We talk about the transparent journey of how they build their SaaS companies, how they grow them, and what they would do differently if they would do it all over. Hey folks, with us today, Derek, founder of Ignition. Derek, super happy to have you. Yeah, pumped to be here, Nicholas. is excited to chat. Amazing. Let's dive right in. What problem does Ignition solve? Yes, we basically help solve for the problem of like fail to go to market for new products and features and, and go to market initiatives. And so, you know, basically like what that boils down to tends to be uh, misalignment between product marketing and sales. And so we're helping kind of bring those teams together and align them around one single for the truth that reduces a lot of the tool fragmentation that's used when bringing new products and features to market. So we're getting rid of kind of all the, the siloed spreadsheets and docs and research tools that you're using for launching new things um, and pulling that into a single platform that helps you to conduct research, um, understand your market, then turn that into you know a road mapping process to help prioritize what you're building and then hand that off into a go-to-market and launch process for the product marketing team to plan and execute the, the actual launch process itself and communicate that all internally. So there's a whole, it's a whole big bundled platform that does a lot of stuff. Um, but, you know, end of the day, our, our end goal, you know, help, help companies to launch things more effectively. Yeah. And then who's the typical buyer for something like that? Like the regular SaaS startup or who's, who are you targeting? Yeah, we tend to target um, kind of like mid-market to enter small enterprise companies. Um, we work with a lot of early stage companies as well that are, you know, like early stage SaaS. Um, and, you know, it tends to be either the product team in the company or um, somebody on the marketing team, usually like product marketing, kind of just whoever's driving the go-to-market strategic planning for new things. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like we work with a range of in range of so, you know, SaaS companies tend to be our bread and butter, but then, you know, we also work with um, some CPG companies, some entertainment companies. So, um, you know, basically anybody that's launching new things. Interesting. So the product doesn't need to be what we all have in mind when we think of product, meaning design and code, but it can be literally like a shampoo bottle of PNG or basically mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, exactly. It could be it could be, you know, a physical product. It could be a movie or a game. We work with like a couple of small film studios. So, um, you know, it's very basically anything that is like a productized thing. Um, so, you know, regardless of whether that's software or hardware or something else. <laughs> Interesting. Is there a specific reason why you don't go hard after like one specific segment? Well, we, so we, I mean, kind of do, like we end up focusing, you know, more of our energy on SaaS just because it's like the people in our network and, you know, SaaS companies like buying from other SaaS companies. And so there's some reasons that it's a little easier, but, um, part of the reason that we, we have not specifically verticalized on this, um, is that, you know, like building a launch process that's effective across these range of different motions um, actually helps sharpen our product. So, you know, we actually like wanted to take it, that stuff into account as we were building, building from the start, because it helps to structure the way that we're making, we have like a bunch of AI baked into the platform that makes dynamic recommendations. And so being able to train that model on those other use cases helps to actually, you know, create better outputs for us. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of like just future planning reasons that we started out a little bit more broadly. Um, but you know, like we do, we do kind of like lean towards a couple of, a couple of verticals a little more than others. Interesting. 
And then I would love to go back in time, roughly two and a half years. I mean, you found the company, at least if I can trust LinkedIn, in 2021. <laughs> so yep. two questions. One, why did you go after building quite a broad platform? And was that like the go-to from the, from the get-go? Or did you start with like a very specific thing and then broaden in those two and a half years? Yeah, so I mean, we definitely have evolved. Like, you know, the early version, the, the early MVP of the product was a much more narrow kind of communications tool. And it was really kind of like a fancy document that had the ability for you to push kind of modular updates out to the rest of the organization from that document. So it was basically designed to help communicate better around good market plans. Um, but, you know, I, I think ultimately the, the part of the reason for building, you know, such a broad platform so early is that... Um, you know, the problem that we're solving, like fundamentally boils down to there's too many tools involved. And so in order to solve that problem, you actually have to cover the full surface area of the planning process. And so, you know, we basically, and this also you know, dovetails quite a bit out of my experience um, running product marketing at Rippling is, you know, like we built at Rippling a, this, a what, you know, Parker calls a compound startup, which is, you know, bundling together multiple different platforms and you know, the real value ends up being delivered through the combination of systems and how they actually interoperate and work together, um, which, you know, I, I think adds disproportionate value if you can pull it off and it's harder to build. It takes a little bit longer. You know, it's like there, there's some challenges involved with building compound startups. But, um, you know, for us, like we're big believers that that's those are going to be the companies that win the next wave of SaaS as well, because companies are trying to consolidate um spend they're trying to consolidate U ux and so you know being able to deliver like a full fully bundled suite as opposed to you know like just a single point solution i think you know it ends up being an advantage especially in like the markets like today where everybody is trying to cut costs and you know reduce tool count within their companies that's super intriguing in one of one of the early pods i had uh, jeff from outsetter on i'm not sure if you do you know who he is but they're basically also building like an all-in-one solution in a way. So it's quite similar in terms of the, the, what you just brought up, bundling a, a lot of like separate tools. What are challenges for you in executing that? Because I can imagine it must be hard, at least if I put like my PM head on, to manage a product team that is building features that in other startups, the feature is like the whole startup, basically. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely tough. Um, you know, I think from a build perspective, we've actually like not run into crazy problems from a build perspective because we had a, we had a pretty well scoped on like what this thing was going to look like in the future from the start. So we've been able to avoid a lot of the like complexity and problems that come from just like gradual expansion into, you know, big platform. Um, we do, you know, it is like capital intensive. And so we had to have like a bigger, bigger engineering team early on than, you know, a typical company of our stage would. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a hurdle, but I, actually the biggest challenge is when you're building, you know, these big compound startups ends up being a marketing challenge because you're not able to focus in on one very, very specific niche, you know, use case or, or vertical because you have to actually like talk about the platform as the whole on, you know, on the whole. So positioning becomes a challenge. And then, you know, there's a lot of like verticalization you have to do around the specific use cases that you've sold for on the product marketing side of the house. So like we have, you know, we have to maintain 
separate kind of landing pages for each of the sections of product that we sell so that we can use those as like on ramps that are more familiar into the bigger platform. So there's actually like a lot of marketing lift involved. Um, but, you know, from a from from a build perspective, it actually has not been crazy difficult aside from like, you know, there's complexity of just building a complex product, you know, like you have interrelated features that, you know, you have to account for how, you know, one thing is going to affect everything else downstream. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of like just iteration <laughs> and, yeah. and just working through the problems, you know, over and over. If you need to hire the right developers and ship fast, then React Squad is for you. A boutique agency that specializes in React and only works with fast growth startups. Get a 14-day risk-free trial and a transparent price of $95 per hour. Visit reactsquad.io to learn more. Interesting. Yeah, I, I would love to dig into the marketing challenges. Um, so you already mentioned that you have, in a way, like landing pages for features. Is that then the typical SEO landing page, which a lot of companies have for their specific features? Or what else do you need to do? Or what do you specifically need to do to solve that issue of being too too big as a tool, at least like from a marketing perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, like basically the way that we do it is, you know, we kind of treat everything as sort of like choose your own adventure, right? So like we start, you know, our, if you look at our homepage, our homepage basically is just a routing system to push you into the sub products. And, you know, like if you think about our platform as a whole, we want to tell the entire platform story because that's where we're like really solving the problem of, you know, how do you reduce fragmentation and create better alignment between these teams? But then, you know, like we have to talk about the individual sub product very directly as well. So they're not just SEO landing pages. They're also just help, meant to be like more familiar on ramps into an existing category of tools. So like we'll push people into our research page and talk about competitive intelligence and we'll push people into our product management page and talk about the road mapping tooling. And so, you know, it's like that allows us to then both like SEO those in those categories of product, but then also to go out and say, hey, like, you know, when we're reaching out to people, we can share that link if we know that we're talking to a product manager who may be much more interested in the road mapping tooling that they're going to be in the broader go-to-market planning tooling. Um, because our, our challenge is that we're not just multi-product. We are also multi-persona because we work with the product team. We also work with the marketing team. We also work with, you know, to a lesser degree, the sales team. So we have to, like, account for each of those personas. And so there's different customer journeys for each of them and that involves like different separate landing pages it involves separate like ad content it involves separate um, messaging once they're in the product and on different onboarding flows so we basically just have a lot of segmentation that we do you know on a day-to-day -day basis and then so i'm let's say i'm a product manager so do i then go to your site and want to start out with the road mapping tool and do that self-serve or is is the yeah, basically like having the different personas and maybe needing to educate a bit more also the reason that you're targeting mid and enterprise because you're basically pushing to a sales process so that you have the ability to tell the story out. I would love to hear like how a single person like comes in and ends up paying as an org basically. Yep. Yeah, of course. So, uh, so basically like, I mean, at the, at the, we, we have a hybrid motion, so we have self-serve um, for, you know, folks who come in as individuals or as smaller teams. And then we also have, you know, a top down motion where we go and sell directly to enterprise. And so like when we go top down, 
it's a much more straightforward process, right? Because when we go sell to like a VP level decision maker, they buy the thing and then they just kind of like push it down through the organization. They tend to buy the whole thing. They're, you know, the, they under, were able to have a sales conversation. They understand the value of the bundle all at once. Um, if I'm selling to, for example, a product manager though, and we're going self-serve, realistically, like that product manager is probably not at that point in time looking specifically for a platform for managing go-to-market processes holistically because like it's a new category. Like our, there's really no product that has bundled at all of these different point solutions into one in the way that we have. And so it's not something that people are actively searching for because it didn't exist before, right? And so by definition, we have to enter through a different existing frame of reference. So those PMs, like they'll be looking for a road mapping tool and they'll find our road mapping product and be able to land on that landing page or a piece of content that we've published or, you know, like we'll reach out to them directly with messaging about the road mapping product. And then they'll come in and they'll use us for road mapping. And then we just gradually start kind of upselling, cross-selling them into the broader product. Um, most of the time, you know, they'll come in, they'll like use us for either road mapping or research. Like those are kind of the two primary entry points that we tend to see. Um, and, you know, when people come in, looking for competitive intelligence help, they'll use this for competitive intelligence and they'll realize how they can actually start to push that context all the way through their planning process by marrying it to the road mapping tools and marrying that to the go-to-market planning tools. And so there's just kind of a natural expansion once people start getting in the product and they realize kind of how all this stuff fits together. Um, but, you know, we tend to enter through one, one product or another um, as opposed to like when people sign up, them coming in and using all of it all at once. Yeah. Is there uh do you feel that there's a tension between the self-serve motion and the, the sales motion? Because I know from startups who have especially like quota carrying sales guys that there's sometimes it gets a bit, let's say, hectic internally because the sales team wants it their quota, but of course like self-serve it's kind of like eating away on leads. So yep. first off, do you have that issue? Second, like so how do you manage it? Yeah, well, right now, I mean, like I'm the I'm the quote of carrying salesperson guns, right now, guns. so you know, I, I'm I'm much more willing to make that sacrifice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we typically don't see a lot of ten tension between those two motions, though. Like, if anything, probably the biggest area where it causes friction ends up being pricing, because obviously it's difficult to like price things in a way that makes sense, unit economic wise, from to have like a full hand-holding sales motion in place um, that, you know, can be very expensive versus having something that's accessible for, like, a small team or an individual to self-serve onto. Um, so I think, like, pricing ends up getting a little tricky, but ultimately, like, you know, we don't see a ton of cannibalization. Like, you know, it's not like I get on sales calls and I have a sales conversation with somebody and then they're like, oh, well, I can just go use the free the free version for a while and I'm just going to do that because our, our free version also, you know, like, is restrictive enough that you can use it, you know, somewhat indefinitely, but you're not going to get the full value that a, a team that we're having a sales conversation is looking for. So, you know, ultimately like those teams, they're going to want to upsell regardless. I would love to double click on the pricing part. Can you tell us a bit about how it's structured right now? Yeah. So, um, our pricing is very interesting, right? Because, and we actually risked a lot on, you know, the, the way that we approach this at Rippling where we are a multi-product company. And so, um, today we are actually like purely a la carte 
And so you can buy, you know, the go-to-market product by itself for 49 per editor per month. You can buy the product management product by itself for 49 per editor per month, or you can buy the research and insights product for 19 per editor per month. Um, and so basically like, you know, again, this is where we come in and try and sell modularly because we recognize that there's existing workflow that we may need to like plug into. And so if you already have a road mapping tool, like we don't want to try and sell you the road mapping tool out of the gate if you are looking for competitive intelligence, you know, like, so, so we'll use that as an on-ramp and then we'll start, you know, initiating the conversation for a later upsell where we can say, Hey, look, like you're using us for competitive intelligence already. Why wouldn't you marry road mapping into the same platform? Um, so we also though have a bundle where we sell the whole thing because part of this is like, you know, pricing ends up communicating positioning. And so you really have to like, if you're going to sell a platform, all is one thing you need to actually have a price that allows for people to buy the thing all at once. And so we basically just do a 20% discount if you're buying all of the features all at once and sell, you know, a bundled offering for those folks. Um, we will be changing this though. So like we are actually in the process of taking that and it's not that we're actually changing the pricing itself, but we are going to present it in more of a tiered fashion where, you know, we're actually going to have a, um, we're going to just present the bundle as the kind of better tier in a good, better, best pricing model. And then we're going to have the, like we've always had an enterprise upsell product, which is, you know, includes all the like standard uh, security, security support, et cetera, stuff that like enterprise companies need. So, you know, we'll keep having that as a third tier, but then you'll still be able to like modulate by just bits and pieces of the product. If there's specific bits and pieces that you but then there, how would the first one or two price tiers look like? Because I can imagine that like the second to last is the bundle. The last is talk to sales or talk to Derek right now. Uh, but yep. like, how, how, how would the first look like? So we're actually only going to have three. So you'll, you'll either be free and we're going to have a, we're ex actually expanding how generous our free tier is. So we're going to have a free, um, free tier where you can basically use it for, you know, five go to market plans and or like one roadmap. Um, you know, indefinitely. And then we're going to have a paid, the, the first paid tier is the current bundle, um, which is, you know, kind of all of the product as it stands today. And then we'll have some additional like enterprise features as well as, um, you know, a couple of gated things that we're grabbing into an enterprise tier. So we're really just going to have, it's not going to be like a true good, better, best pricing where there's like a low price, a medium price, and then a high price. There'll be kind of a low price, for the people who are self-serving and there'll be a higher price for the enterprise companies that we're in a sales motion with. So you're completely getting rid of the bundle, AKA the a la carte model in a way, or, or do you weave that into there somehow? We're going to split the difference for a little bit um, and just kind of see how it goes. So like we're, we're iterating on this and you know, like we've gone back and forth on the a la carte versus the tiering because there's advantages to both. Um, And so like, we're still going to allow you to, you know, like, because again, remember the, the paid tier is just one tier. So there's just like one price for that. So what we're going to do is like, if you only want to buy the road mapping tooling, you'll be able to buy just the road mapping tooling and it'll just be a lower price for that same kind of like bundle tier. So, um, so the a la carte's not like fully going away, but it's going to be much further down in our messaging hierarchy. So like basically if you think about our, our messaging hierarchy today, it's like everything looks very a la carte. Like that's the priority is what we're communicating that you can buy this modularly. Um, I think we're 
for simplicity's sake, we're going to, we're moving to this tiering structure, but then when we're in sales conversations, we'll still be able to say, Hey, look, like you can also buy the, you know, it's like people are resistant to buying, you know, all of the product all at once. We can still have that option to give them, you know, smaller chunks. That's super intriguing, but I love that you're iterating on the pricing. I mean, way too many companies like a set and forget in the beginning. So that's totally, I'm looking forward to seeing your new pricing page. We, I need to yeah. grab a screenshot of that when it's done. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm a former product marketer. So like pricing has always <laughs> okay. been one of, one of my favorite lovers yeah. to play with. So like we're constantly iterating on pricing, you know, it's, it's just a, an ever, uh, it, and we're never going to stop. You know, I think iterating on pricing is the biggest, single biggest growth lever that companies have. And most, like you said, most companies don't take advantage of it. Amen. Uh, then <laughs> let's, let's switch gears to the a bit away from product and more to the company building side. So how, how many, how big is the company right now, either in terms of funding or employees or both, whatever you can share to set a bit of context? Yeah, so we're, we're 14 employees. Um, we basically are all, it's all engineers um, and the designer. And then um, we basically, uh, you know, we've raised, a, well, previously we had raised um, 4.75 million, but um, we actually just are wrapping up closing a new round. So uh, I can't share that yet, but yeah. Um, we are, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's j just one question about the new round. How it much harder was it to raise compared to the previous ones? Just because the economic yeah, life, <laughs> the market right now is like, let's say a bit tricky. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, definitely trickier. Um, you know, I, th I think like, you know, we've always had, a very compelling vision, you know, for, for VCs. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, investors see the potential scope of what we're possibly able to accomplish down the road and, you know, they're excited by it. So it hasn't, it's never been like just an absolute slog, um, to raise money, but I think, you know, it, it definitely was not fun, you know, going through the process it, now relative to like 2021, when we first raised capital, when, you know, the market was just a lot, a lot more straightforward, a lot easier to, to yeah. you know, get people to part with their money. Is there anything specific you now do in the planning of how to use that money that, that is like very distinctly different to how you used the first 4.7 million in terms of like how you, how you think about spending it or like stretching it out or whatever? I mean, I, I don't know that there's anything, I mean, we we're we've always been, despite the fact that we have like a relatively large team and, you know, like we have spent, you know, a decent chunk of money, it's actually very small relative to the product that we've built. And like, we've always run pretty lean and I think we're going to continue to run pretty lean and, you know, like focus on, you know, being as, as cost efficient as we can. But, um, end of the day, you know, I, I think the, um, the plan in terms of, how we invest, like we still believe in playing offense, you know, like, I don't think it's, I think if you just play defense and you just try and conserve capital forever, you, you, there's a very high likelihood that you just never reach the inflection point that you need in order to scale quickly. Um, and so, you know, I think for us, we're going to keep playing offense Our the, the way that we are spending this money though, is very, very different than, you know, in past races that we've done, because, you know, like most of those were focused on getting the product built and the product built now so like almost all of our investment now is going towards you know, our our own market yeah and the 
quickly back to the team. So you said 14 employees, most engineers. So is it literally 13 developers, one designer and you, or how is the team of 14 split right now? Yeah, I mean, it's my, myself, my co-founder, a designer. Um, we have a QA engineer and then everybody else, the developers. That's crazy. That's crazy. And then how, how, how do you see it be? So, so are you planning to like double it with this round or like how, do, how is the team, let's say the team composition changing with this uh, fresh capital? No, I mean, we're not going to double. I, I think we'll probably add um, between two and three additional people. So we're actually not going to scale the team significantly. We're just adding a couple of heads on the go market side of the house. So we're going to add some add our first salespeople, our first marketers. And, you know, otherwise, you know, everything's going to be relatively similar. You know, like I mentioned, like all of this, all of this capital is designed to go just directly into go to market and grow. Yeah. And then as a lot, because we're coming up on time. So the last question is just like, what's your big vision for ignition? Because you mentioned that it, it's a compelling vision for VC. So what's the exact goal you're, you're chasing after? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I know we talked a little bit about how, like, you know, we serve PMs also and like, you know, product management, but ultimately the end goal for Ignition is that we actually become like much more of a marketing operating system for the company. So we can, you know, if you think about like what marketers are doing on a day-to-day -day basis when it comes to go-to-market motions, you know, they, they do their planning, they create a bunch of content to, you know, populate those campaigns and then they go and push those, that content out through all the different channels that they need in order to reach customers. And so, You know, I think that's that's the vision that we have, which is there's going to be a central source of truth where all of your strategic data lives. That central source of truth becomes the primary enablement tool for the, all the internal teams within the company. They can query it directly using AI. And then we can also use AI to generate the content that's going to populate those go-to-market campaigns. And then we eventually like start actually marrying that to the channels. And we can actually orchestrate, you know, across multi-channel campaigns for the marketing team to push that information outwards and actually execute the launch itself um, and not just do the planning and internal coordination around it. So, you know, the end goal is like it's one single platform that marketing teams can basically do all their planning, all their content creation, as well as all the like uh, channel execution that they're that they're using for launching things. I, I love it, Derek. Thanks a ton for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. If you like this episode, then you'll love the SaaS Operator, a weekly newsletter brought to you by Early Node, with actionable insights from SaaS experts in the industry delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday for free. Visit earlynode.com to subscribe.